Yesterday, Abby Pearl told us about the Spacecraft Cemetery, a location in the middle of the Pacific Ocean that is so remote, it's specifically targeted as the crash site for satellites. Today, we're going to talk about a related place. What happens when a satellite lands where it's not quite supposed to? We hope you enjoy the episode. Manitowoc, Wisconsin, is a small city of about 30,000 on the shore of Lake Michigan. It's a mix of residential streets, industrial plants, churches, and locally owned businesses. It's a classic Midwestern town, and Manitowoc's a relatively quiet place. But if you're walking along North A Street, right outside the local art museum, you'd be walking past a rather loud moment in the town's history. In fact, if you look down, you'd see a plaque in the sidewalk. It says Sputnik IV, as in Sputnik 4, and the date of September 1962. Just a short distance from the plaque, in the very center of the street, there's a small metal ring embedded into the pavement. This plaque and that metal ring commemorate the day when this small Midwestern city came into contact with history on a grand scale. A historical moment that went well beyond the planet itself. Because that ring marks the very spot where a piece of a Soviet Sputnik satellite came crashing back to Earth. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we head to Manitowoc, Wisconsin, and to the moment in time when this small city in the heartland had a front-row seat to the space race. That's after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For all its high-minded language and the many incredible achievements that have come from the space race, 
At the time, the whole thing was mostly a matter of paranoia. Coming off the heels of world wars, atomic weapons, and ballistic missiles, for the USSR and the U.S., getting to space wasn't so much a matter of scientific exploration as of national security. Whoever got there first would send a signal to the rest of the world about whose stuff was more advanced, about who was going to lead the way into the future. Well, the Russians won that one. The first Sputnik satellite launched in 1957, and after that, the U.S. and the USSR went back and forth in a heated space race overdrive. The Soviets sent the first dog into space, and the Americans countered with the first primate. And eventually, of course, this all led to the first manned missions. But before that, it was mostly just a bunch of satellites. And when the USSR launched Sputnik, it didn't actually have a public name. And at the time, the U.S. press called it everything from the device to the red moon. Eventually, we took to calling it the Russian word for a natural satellite, like a meteor, which was Sputnik. We basically named their satellite, Satellite. Anyway, the name stuck, and because we're not very creative, we called everything they launched after it Sputnik 2, Sputnik 3, Sputnik 4, and so on. Regardless of our shabby naming, the American public followed all of this with the keen interest that only a nation under the threat of thermonuclear war can bring to bear. But there was a smaller group of American citizens who were following these things even more closely. There was a group um, that was uh, connected to the Smithsonian Aerophysical, Astrophysical Observatory uh, called Moonwatch. That's Greg Vadney. He is the director of the RAR West Art Museum in Manitowoc, and he's become something of an expert on these amateur satellite spotters. Essentially, they were volunteers who helped the U.S. government monitor the Soviet space efforts. They would map the orbit of satellites, and that way they'd know when one was passing over where they lived. The government was essentially crowdsourcing observational data from America's space nerds. But they gave them an incredibly cool name. They called them the Moon Watchers. On September 5th, 1962, at the early hour of 4 a.m., the head of the Milwaukee Moon Watch, Gail Highsmith, climbed a small hill near his home in downtown Milwaukee and set up his telescope. The Sputnik 4 satellite was predicted to pass overhead just before the sun came up. And Highsmith not only saw the satellite, but he saw it turn into a fireball and break apart. You know, we're talking about a number of particles that are disintegrating as they're crashing through the Earth's atmosphere. So uh, to say that he witnessed it fall, he's just seeing bright lights in the sky. Much like when a, when, when a, a meteorite drops, uh, it's, it's usually reported as streaks of light in the sky. The actual piece seems to have hit sometime around 4 a.m., uh, pretty difficult, even in a residential area, to confirm that people were out to see this. A Russian satellite had just re-entered Earth's orbit, and the wreckage was headed straight for the dairy state. A few other moon watchers in Milwaukee observed the same thing, but only Highsmith was able to get a compass fix on which direction the pieces were headed. 
About an hour north of Milwaukee, two police officers in Manitowoc were out in their squad car. And around 5.30 a.m., they happened on a hunk of metal in the center of A Street. To explain to any listeners who aren't familiar with Manitowoc, we are in an uh, industrial area. There are, um, and, and were at the time, um, many uh, aluminum plants, uh, steel manufacturing here in, in the city of Manitowoc. So it would not have been that out of the ordinary that you would find a large piece of smoking metal in our town. So not thinking about it, they had they moved it to the side of the road, finished their rounds, and went back to um, their precinct. The two officers moved on, but then they got the news. And it was at that time that uh, they had gotten word that uh, the FBI and the U.S. Army uh, were somewhere in the neighborhood of Sheboygan and, and were on their way up from Milwaukee because uh, Gail Highsmith had reported, he, as part of that Moonwatch group, had reported that he had seen that it crashed somewhere north of Milwaukee. So at that point in time, they notified federal authorities, went back to the site, found it to still be rather hot. And it was at that point that the recovery effort really began in earnest. Meanwhile, Moonwatcher Gail Highsmith had been tasked with taking the object to the authorities. And within a day of its recovery, Highsmith was on a plane to Massachusetts. It was the Smithsonian's Astrophysical Observatory, which is in Cambridge, Massachusetts. It uh, departed within 24 hours of the landing and was immediately sent there for analysis. If I can give you some sort of a mental picture, uh, it looks, it's round, it looks like a a melted down hubcap. It was about uh, 20 pounds and it, it, again, much like the spot that we've marked it, a very nondescript item. It was only uh, 15, a little over 15 centimeters in diameter. The key findings were radiation levels just like a meteorite's, meaning that this thing had definitely come from space. And by this time, it had also been confirmed that Sputnik 4 was no longer in orbit, which meant that Gail Highsmith had been right. This thing that had crash-landed in the middle of a quiet Manitowoc street wasn't just any crud from space. This was a piece of Sputnik 4. Now, of course, when this was presented to the Soviet Union days later, the Soviet Union did not acknowledge the existence of this Sputnik 4 spacecraft. So it was uh, a bit of a international controversy for a few days. Now, if you're like me, you might be wondering why you'd never heard about a Soviet satellite crashing into the American heartland at the height of the space race. It's like a thing you think you might know. Except this also happened in September of 1962. Do you, Ambassador Zorin, deny that the USSR has placed and is placing medium and intermediate range missiles and sites in Cuba? Yes or no? October of 1962 is Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, It was actually in September that the first satellite images are starting to come back with proof that missile silos are being built in Cuba. As with everything, it all comes down to timing. The Cuban Missile Crisis upstaged Sputnik 4. 
And this small hunk of space satellite faded out of the public memory, all but forgotten, except for this tiny metal marker in the middle of a Wisconsin street. Forgotten, except, of course, unless you count Sputnik Fest. You know Sputnik Fest. It's like Oktoberfest or Lebowski Fest. But to commemorate the crash landing of Sputnik 4 in Manitowoc. Today's event also featured an alien drop. The person whose alien landed closest to the site where Sputnik's debris crashed won a prize. We encourage people to to be dressed up for the event in their their, um, usually uh, sci-fi inspired costuming. Every September, Manitowoc hosts this very special celebration where the crashing of Sputnik 4 does not go unnoticed. There are a certain certain amount of people who will kind of embrace more of the Cold War and will d- dress in like a um, historic Russian uh, military outfit. But uh, sci-fi kind of rules the day. Uh, we have a lot of costume contests, both for, for people's pets and for members of the family that culminates with our um, uh, Miss Space Debris alien costume contest. And uh, it, again, all done very tongue-in-cheek. Uh, the talent portion of the show, uh, most of it probably would not be able to be aired. Sputnik Fest may be the only celebration in America where you can go dressed as space debris and not need to explain yourself. Definitely my kind of town. If you want to see the landing site and the replica of the debris that is in Greg's museum, why not tie your trip to the September festival and help Manitowoc celebrate its claim to space fame? This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was reported by Matthew Taub. Our production team includes Chris Naka, Doug Baldinger, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Tracy Samuelson, Camille Mojica, Chimenya Onike, Maddie Weinberg, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex 
of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radio Lab adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.